0: Jesus
1: real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe Jesus is
0: real. Be the church with a big C. We want to be the church with a big C because. Paul had already, when he was greeting people, started to move the church in Colossae's eyes beyond their own church, but also as part of the greater church. And so Paul is literally saying that as this letter, as the letter of the Colossians is being read among you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodicean.
1: It's really easy to get so caught up in your own life that you miss what's going on around you. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that God wants you to look up and notice that you're part of something bigger. When Paul wraps up his letter to the Colossians, he draws attention to the other churches in the area. He wants them to know that they're part of God's church, the church with a big C. Like them, we can have a bigger picture of what God is doing. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter 4, as he continues his message, Jesus leads his church. Jesus said.
0: picking up Colossians chapter four, we're going to be picking up in verse two. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Verse four, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom Toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, really what these verses are pushing us towards is that you and I, we want to be the fragrance of Christ. We want to be the the fragrance of who the Lord is. We want to be the fragrance of Christ in the world. And really the Apostle Paul gives us two areas of focus. Verses 2-4 to the focus is on prayer. And then verses 5-6 and the focus is on our witness or our testimony with people who are outside of the church. And how we ought to move through those who are outside of the church. But I don't want you to miss the fact at all that these two are actually linked together. If we're going to be the fragrance of Christ then really prayer Prayer is going to be where we appropriate the nature of Jesus and, and we understand who he is and what he's wanting to do and then from prayer then we move into out of the overflow of our prayer lives we move into how we witness how we share, how we speak with those who are outside and really our prayer lives drive the fragrance that we are in the world and so he says listen I want you to continue earnestly in prayer verse 2 being vigilant in it with thanksgiving and so really saying that they should devote themselves to do personal prayer they need to persist they need to continue it in you know in prayer and they need to be vigilant in it now i don't know about you but i'm always working on my prayer life because there's just something about like it's like if you're reading the bible and you get into a good rhythm with a bible reading planet it's easy but prayer is a little bit more challenging and that idea to continue earnestly in it and to be vigilant in it. Where you and I need to make sure we pick up prayer. That wartime walkie-talkie where we talk to our, our Heavenly Father. And we learn like, okay, this is who I am in Christ. And this is what God wants for me. And and in these situations in my life where I need wisdom or I, I, need, I need revelation. And I, I'm meeting with the Lord and I'm really talking to Him. I've always said it, that prayer is not getting our will done in heaven. It's linking up hands with God to get His will done on earth. And it happens through prayer. And we need to be a people of prayer. We know, of course, that God wants his church, his house, to be a house of prayer. And God wants your life to be its own tabernacle of prayer, where you're spending time talking to the Lord, letting him talk to you. You're spending time in the presence of God, and also it's a time for us for Thanksgiving, where we spend some time to say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you are doing in my life. I think with all that's going on in the world right now, you know, this is a golden opportunity for us to spend time in prayer, See, we want to take the opportunities that God is giving us and take some time to thank God for the things that you have and and for what he's done in your life and and for the things that are going on around you. Even thank him for the things that didn't go well or right for you because you know that you're learning, you're growing in the midst of all of this. But don't only pray for yourself because then Paul also says meanwhile verse 3, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So not only should prayer be for ourselves, but we should also be praying for other people. And Paul is, he's not selfish here. He's inviting the church in Colossae to pray for him and the ministries that he's doing. And I want to encourage you to pray for other people. Pray for the ministry that they're doing. Listen, I want to thank you for your prayers for the Crossroads family. You know, you realize that right now when you talk about getting the gospel out, speaking about Jesus, declaring the mysteries of who Christ is, in our day and age with the, with all of the the digital technology we have and the television and the radio and, and mobile apps and all these different things, that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody is receiving content from Crossroads. And when you pray, God, will you do a work there? When you say, Lord, will you allow us to reach more people, to reach them in a way that they can understand? Lord, will you drench your word with the Holy Spirit so that people may meet with you over the Bible as it relates to Crossroads or other ministries that you like? See, when we begin to pray for one another, God is always inviting us outside of our individual lives. God knows that, in our fallenness, we're self-centered. And so, not only do we pray for ourselves, God's not saying don't pray for yourself, but Paul's like, hey, listen, you continue to pray. Continue to be thankful. Be vigilant in prayer, and then also pray for us. You know, and I know what I really want to encourage you to do. You should make a prayer list, because what's really powerful is if you make a list of things that you're praying for, and then you also write down the fulfillment of those prayers, talk about something that really encourages our faith. God hears our prayers. He keeps them In the book of Revelation in golden bowls before his altar like incense. Like God cherishes our prayers. And then God also acts in in, in accordance with his perfect plans and he wants us to be a part of all that. And so we don't only pray for ourselves. We pray for other people. And then through this praying for ourselves, being grateful and thankful and praying for others, then, of course, we move into this idea of our witness in the world. Notice what it says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. So, really, the exhortation is that God not only cares about you as an individual and then the church as a whole as you pray for other believers that God would use them in powerful ways. But God also cares about those who are outside the church. And he says that you want to walk in wisdom to those who are outside. And you want to redeem the time. And what that means is that because you don't have a lot of time with people, you want to make sure you maximize the time. So much of our, in our present moment, so much of the interaction between the church and folks who are outside is not walking in wisdom. It's walking in foolishness. It's like where where people are arguing about all these things and and they're not even talking about Jesus. They're arguing about all these other things. But really we want to walk in wisdom. We want to redeem the time. Of course, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians it said redeem the time because the days are evil. He's saying time is short. and So we want to walk in wisdom. And as we talk to people who are outside of the church just the way we do inside the church it says let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So the content of our communication the way we speak, we want it to be full of grace. The grace we've received, we passed it along. We want it to be seasoned with salt. Of course, Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. And he wants our salt to maintain its, its flavor. And God wants us to say, Lord, will you let us communicate with those who are outside of the church? In such a way that they become recipients of grace, that they know your grace, they know your goodness, they know who you are, and we give them answers to the questions that they have. See, all of this is what it means to be the fragrance of Christ. You know, you think about it in prayer, you ever hug somebody who likes to use a lot of uh, you know perfume? You know, you, you hug them and then you walk away smelling the way they smell, right? And then you go see someone else, and I'm like, Oh, you're wearing perfume, Pastor Daniel's like, no, no, I must have somebody a hug. You, know, you take on their, their their fragrance, and then you pass it along. And in the exact same way, prayer is almost hugging the Lord and getting His fragrance on you. And then we move into the world, and then we we share the good news and we witness to what the gospel is. And so God wants us to be the fragrance of Christ. Of course, Second Corinthians chapter two, verses fourteen to sixteen says exactly that. He says, "Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses." the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For you are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other we are the aroma of life leading to life and who is sufficient for these things. So if you're here and you're hearing this and you're a follower of Jesus, then you want to be the fragrance of Christ. We receive it in prayer And then we share it with the world. And I also realize one of the things that I love so much about the Crossroads family is that we realize that everyone's on a different step of their journey. And there are many of you who are watching this right now who you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And it's my sincere hope that first that you would become a follower of Jesus, that you might be the fragrance of Jesus in this world. And it's God's desire that you would be a vehicle for his fragrance to enter the world. But it's also my hope that the Crossroads family would be a place where you're like, there's something special. There's, the, there's, something, there's something life-giving about the Crossroads family. Maybe, maybe that's why you're watching it. Like, you, you know, you're checking out, maybe a friend was posting videos or this or that, and now all of a sudden you're watching yourself and, and you're like, hey, there's something about this. And I'm here to tell you, at best, a great church is the fragrance of Christ in the world. That we are... We are part of God's plan to diffuse the magnificence of who he is into the world. And it's my sincere hope that the Crossroads family is that to everybody, no matter where they're coming from. Now, from there, from verses 7 to 15, the Apostle Paul is going to do his kind of final greetings. He's going to shout out his people and all that. So, so really, if I want to give a theme for this, really what we want is each one of us, we want to be a fully engaged family member. We want to be a fully engaged family member because in these verses, verses 7 to 15, we're going to see all these different people who are fully engaged in the, fa- the family of faith that is the church. And God is using all these different people in unique ways. Look at what it says. It says, verse 7, Tychicus, or you can syllabify it, Tychicus, depending on how you like to say it, you choose the way you want to say it. I'm not really sure, but either one. I'm going to go with Tychicus because I like that one. Tychicus, the beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphis and the church that is in his house." Now, what I love about all all these different people who Paul references here are people who Paul is doing the work of the ministry with. They're his friends and they're his co-labors and each one of them plays an essential part in the work that God has for the church in their generation. And because of that, they're found here in scripture. And the same is true for us. Now, listen, we're not necessarily Paul's companions bringing his letters to the church of Colossae or, or these different things, but each one of us has an essential part to play. That's why we want to say that we want to be fully engaged family members. If you know, the, you know the, the vision of Crossroads is because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. And so when I read a list of all these different people who uh, are fully engaged in the work that God has for them, I am always like, oh yeah, this is true for them and may it be true for us God wants all of us to be engaged. Now, if you look at the list of these different people here, of course, you have uh, Tychicus, or as I said, you can syllabify Tychicus. You know, he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant in the Lord, and he will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things that are happening here. So it would seem that, you know, uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, they were bringing this letter and they were making sure they find out the stories of what was going on. And then they were reporting back to the Apostle Paul what was going on. Of course, Tychicus was mentioned by Paul in 2 Timothy in the book of Titus. And Onesimus was interested. He's a converted, runaway slave of a man named. Philemon, or if you want to slabify it, Philemon, right? One of the shortest books in the New Testament. Onesimus was that slave who Paul was sending on back. But notice, you know, he was a dear brother to Paul, and he was also a fellow Colossae. He's from this, the area of Colossae. Now, as he moves on from there, he starts talking about this man Aristarchus. Now, notice, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Now, whether this means that Aristarchus is there helping Paul uh, in his prison imprisonment or if he was also in prison, we're not exactly sure. But he was also, you know, Aristarchus was somebody who, he was a Thessalonian and he also suffered some sort of persecution. And then you get Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Now, we know Mark as John Mark who penned at Peter's behest the Gospel of Mark. And if you recall from Paul's first missionary journey, there was a big Dispute because Mark left them along the way, and Paul and Barnabas ended up splitting up over the fact that Barnabas wanted Mark to come and work with them again. Now it's interesting because you read into this where it's like, And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and he says, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Because you can imagine that as, you know, the book of Acts was getting out and the story of what was going on with Paul was getting out, that, you know, maybe Mark didn't have the best testimony. And it's a great reminder because even though Mark left the first missionary journey and it caused a big issue between Paul and Barnabas, you know, Mark is still loved by the Apostle Paul and and by the time you get to Second Timothy, he, he says, hey, bring Mark to me. He's useful to me in ministry. And so, listen, just because you maybe made a mistake along the way doesn't mean that God's done with you. And I always think about that when I think about Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then, of course, there's a man named Jesus who is called Justice. You know, and it says, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved a comfort to me. So this idea that Aristarchus and Mark and now Jesus, who is called Justice, they were all uh, Jewish believers in Jesus. And they worked alongside the Apostle Paul. Then he moves to verse 12, Epaphras. You know, and, and Epaphras, he said, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, he greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. And so really, Epaphras, a lot of people believe Epaphras started the church in Colossae. And you really see his pastoral heart because all he wants is to see the church in Colossae be matured, be complete. And in a lot of ways, that's what it means to be a fully engaged family member. You say, I add what I can add into what God is doing so that people may grow up, that people may fully realize God's will for their lives. As the list continues, verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician. Now, of course, this is Luke who penned... The Gospel of Luke also penned the Book of Acts. The, Luke was called the doctor. And it's interesting when you read Luke's Gospel, there's a lot more medical diagnoses in, in Luke's writing. Because when you see something, like, oh, this person had dropsy, this person had this, this person had that, because he was a doctor. And then, of course, you have a man named Demas. And uh, Demas ultimately... In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says that Demas forsook him. But at this point, you know, Demas was also a part of what was going on. So this was before there was some sort of issue with Demas. And then he wants to remind them to greet not only the folks who were in Colossae, but also in Laodicea, which was also there in the Lycus Valley. And then Nymphus and the, and the church that was in his house. So there's somebody who's leading a house church there in Hierapolis, and he wanted to make sure they got greeted as well. And so you realize that the Apostle Paul, he's fully engaged in the family of faith. He's involved in, in this, all this area, and he wants to say hi to people. He's sending people around. They're all doing the work of ministry, and everyone's job is essential. Look what it says in verse 16. It says, Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in, in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. And really the apostle Paul closes out this letter to remind the church in Colossae and to remind us to be the church with a big C. We want to be the church with a big C because Paul had already when he was greeting people started to move the church in Colossae's eyes beyond their own church but also as part of the greater church. And so Paul is literally saying that as this letter, as the letter of the Colossians is being read among you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans. So remember, the Laodicea was also there in the Lycus Valley, Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. You know, they were all there in that same valley. And so he's like, take this letter, and I want you to make sure you bring it over to to the church of the Laodiceans. And I want you to take their letter, which we actually don't have in the scriptures. Paul wrote a letter to them. Some people can, or Think certain letters might be it. We don't really know for sure. We know that Jesus wrote a letter to the church of the Laodiceans in Revelation of the, but that's a different letter as well. But he's saying, and I want you to take the letter that I wrote to them, and I want you to also read it in the church of Colossae, and I want you to remind this man, you know, Archippus, that hey, listen, I want you to take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And a lot of people believe that Archippus worked there in the church in Laodicea. So when the when this letter is getting delivered, he's like, hey, listen, don't. Don't forget. Fulfill what God has for you. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we realize, like, God loves local churches. But I love the fact that the best local churches also see themselves as part of something bigger than just their local church. Like, I love being a part of the Crossroads family. But I also love when the Crossroads family realize that we're part of the Church of the Big C. Not our local expression, but the greater expression of the body of Christ. And when we realize we're part of the greater expression of the body of Christ, then there's no competition. There's no, hey, I'm going to put this church down to try and make myself look better. You can always tell when a church doesn't have God's vision for the church as a whole because they'll talk about other churches that they're not a part of. Or they'll slag other churches that they're not a part of. See, for us, we always want crossroads to take, to do what God has called us to but we see ourselves as part of something bigger. That's why I'm so grateful. There's so many amazing churches here in our community, in our region. We have churches that we're friends with all over the globe, people we partner with, uh, different coming out of different tribes and denominations. But God has given us amazing relationships, and we always want to be people who work for the building up of the body of Christ because we believe in the church for the big C. We believe that from every generation and every tribe, nation, and tongue, there is the church of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful just to be a part in that. And of course, this reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 14, where the Apostle Paul says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all of it made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many.
1: Jesus is- We're so glad that you stayed with us as Pastor Daniel closed out this series with the reminder that we're all part of the church with a big C. We need to see the church as something bigger than our individual groups. God wants us to work together to build up the body of Christ and get behind the work he's doing in the world. Pastor Daniel shared that keeping this perspective will foster your gratitude for other churches. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy,
0: and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no
1: matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel finished up this series called Understanding Jesus. We hope that through this study of Colossians, you saw more of who Jesus really is and the amazing vision he has for you. Ultimately, Jesus wants you to know him, to understand that he came on a rescue mission so that you could have a relationship with him. He'll heal what's broken, connect you to his family, and give you purpose and vision.